Um, can I invite Paul, if you could please go to the front, <laughs> to be questioned, to face the jury? <laughs> Much better. I did. I enjoy having questions. I think it's a great way for us to balance stuff around. Can I also say that over the weekend, if you if you do want to sit down and uh, wrestle through issues, bounce questions around, uh, Sue and I, uh, we think the great pleasures of life are uh, drinking coffee, eating food, and talking to people. And if we can combine them together, all the better. Uh, so that's uh, the way we work. So it'd be great to catch up with you. Yep. Yeah, so if you've got any questions, love to hear them. Um, okay, I've just got a question about uh, what you were saying just now about um, where there are certain decisions that we think are major, but from God's perspective are trivial. And yep. um, from my own experience, uh, to follow that sort of line of thought, um, I stop praying about it as well. Sure. And then I feel like I'm not really relating to God as well. So. Mm. Just wondering what you think. Yeah, no, that's a really good observation. I think what we're wanting to do, what God wants to do, is to cultivate relationship with us. Right? He's, we know throughout the Bible that's what He does. He sends His Son into this world. He takes the initiative uh, so that He can bring about relationship with us. He is a relational God. Uh, part of the way in which we relate uh, to God is obviously uh, not only through His revealed Word, uh, but through prayer we have the great privilege of calling upon him in prayer. And part of, our, uh, part of prayer is an acknowledgement of our dependence on God, okay, which is one of the questions you're raising. So if I become independent uh, or self-dependent when it comes to decision-making uh, about issues because I regard lots of issues in life as being relatively trivial, uh, it seems to lead me into ungodliness, in a way, because I become independent of God. That's basically the way you're framing it. And I think that, that there, that's a true observation. And I think the question I'd want to be raising there is not... Uh, let me put it a different way. God obviously wants us to be in prayer, in relationship with him. What I think we should do is be essentially praying about those things that... Uh, central in God's plans and purposes for us and to be dwelling upon them and that our prayers over time will become more and more focused in that direction. Let me see if I can give you an example. I, I have three kids. They're now 22, 20 and 18. They're Christians. They're involved in church. If they were still treating me the same way as when they were one, three, and five, I'd be pretty distressed, okay? Because, uh, uh, you know, if my 18-year-old just kept on going, gimme, 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 you know, I want, I want, I want, you know what I mean? Like uh, I'd be saying, oops, we failed. If you're still doing that at 18 years of age, you know. Uh, Now, I suspect in a way that God wants us to mature in our relationship with him as well. 
so that over time, I think the sort of stuff I pray about now that I'm 50 is very different to what I prayed about when I was converted at 20. And that's part of that process of becoming more like Christ, where our focus becomes more and more on God and centering on the things that are important to him. So rather than saying, well, a lot of issues I don't think are that um, significant and therefore we don't pray, um, I think I want to be saying we should be praying about the things that are significant. Having said that, though, um, when there are issues that you're uh, concerned or deeply worried about, then it seems to me we should be praying about them. Uh, So I'm not suggesting we don't. But I think it's the Philippians 4 prayer where, you know, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, don't rely on your own insight, in all your ways acknowledge... Sorry, that's the Proverbs one, but it's the same sort of idea in Philippians 4 uh, where it talks about not having any anxiety about anything, but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, that's in the context of acknowledging God's sovereignty over our lives and therefore calling upon him in prayer. I think that's part of what prayer is. It's actually saying, God... Quite honestly, I'm not sure what to do here, but you are the sovereign one and I keep entrusting myself to you. It's not so much to do with solutions, but you're trusting in God for your future and your pathways. There are a few observations anyway. I think the issue you're raising there is spot on and is a right concern. We, hello. hello. We've got two two questions. Oh, my voice is now. We've got two questions. <laughs> I sound like a man. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Your voice sounds very impressive over the sound system. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad I didn't volunteer to sing. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be uh, glad that I didn't volunteer. <laughs> Um, the first question is from Patrick. Um, <laughs> I, I think Patrick should ask his own question myself, but you know. <laughs> now I'll be the woman. <laughs> and, and can I say what a fine voice you have too? <laughs> um, the, the question is: um, We were discussing on, on the page ten on two Timothy three sixteen to seventeen, right? Yep. And, and the meaning of uh, scriptures are sufficient. And, and one of the discussions we were discussing about is, is scripture really sufficient um, in the context of uh, uh, Christianity because you know, you've got different factions of, of different Christ- Christian faith as well. And uh, every, everybody's you know, basically discussing about the same issues but having different interpretations of yep. you know, things. So um, I'm just wondering what are your thoughts on that? Yep. Okay, so we're talking about the fact that um, depending on your Christian background or persuasion, you might approach the sufficiency of Scripture in slightly different ways. Is it that sort of idea that we're driving at? No. I, I think um, how do you, if it's sufficient, why are there so many different interpretations of Scripture? Oh, okay, sorry. Yep. Uh, uh, why do people read the Bible so differently if it's sufficient? Okay. Let me say, I think it's, it's um, sufficient for all the key things. That is, you've um, got to be blind, deaf and dumb not to pick up the significance of Jesus' death for our sins and resurrection so that we can have life and confidence. So there'll still be some people who disagree with that, but essentially that will be a matter of um, sinfulness. 
That is, uh, there are uh, people in my denomination in Adelaide who would deny Jesus' death for sin and they would uh, say they don't believe in the resurrection of the dead. Okay. Now, that's because they actually don't believe the Bible to start with. Uh, they refuse to trust in the word of God at that point and that tells you about the sinfulness of their hearts. Okay. That's a common problem to humanity. That is, we don't listen to the voice of God Uh, We reject it. That is the essential nature of our sinfulness as people. Now, um, there can also be sinfulness that intrudes into our interpretation of the scriptures, even though we're convinced people. So we need to approach the Bible with a level of uh, humility uh, to understand it. Uh, What's an example? Historic example. Back in, um, say, 100 years ago, in certain denominations, they would have said uh, it was sinful to dance. Okay? If you were in certain denominations, they would have said for people to go out dancing was a sinful thing to do. Okay? And some Christians would have said it wasn't. Now, which ones are right and which ones are wrong? Now, at one level, the, um, the Bible doesn't say a lot about the issue. Uh, you're into a matter of interpretation of Scripture there. And the interpretation of Scripture is probably going to revolve around um, uh, causing people to stumble Uh, So the argument would have related to leading people into uh, thoughts of sexual immorality or something like that by getting too close to people and being provocative in your body. It probably would have been an argument along those lines. And Christians could have disagreed on that uh, because one would have said, well, you know, um, no, I don't think it does do that. And one would have said it does. So you you can have those sort of interpretive uh, differences. And then you probably go to Romans 14 and 15, which talks about how to... um, work out disagreements with brothers or sisters when it comes to issues. And in fact, I'd encourage you to go to Romans 14 or 15 for that sort of area of dispute Um, because there it's a meat-eating debate and Paul is talking about the importance of how you care for the weaker brother. So in that um, chapter, Romans 14, it talks about the fact that it's okay, okay to eat meat. Right, that's been sacrificed to idols. Not a problem at all. Okay. But, says Paul, if you have a weaker brother who thinks it's a problem, then don't do it, even though it's fine to do it. See, so who is right about the meeting, Paul or the weaker brother? Well, Paul is. Right, he is absolutely correct. But the weaker brother is the one who gets his way because you don't eat the meat to cause them to stumble, even though they're wrong about the issue. So it's a very helpful chapter, actually, about solving and resolving disputes over interpretation that sort of way. Um, then there'd be other issues. Um, I'm trying to think of ones that come closer to this guidance question over which Christians would uh, disagree. Uh, but I can't think of any off the top of my head. Yeah. I think it's, it's just one of those... Um, oh, let me take one that'll be probably contentious, I imagine. The whole what should women do in church, you know, women's ministry issue... Uh, I won't get into it too much, so don't get too worried. But uh, um, you have Christians who will disagree about that. Uh, They'll read places like 1 Corinthians 14, uh, 1 Corinthians 11, uh, go to places like Ephesians 5, Colossians 3, different passages that talk about marriage as well as ministry in church, and come to differing conclusions about the implications of that for God's people. Okay? And... um, I think it's one of those matters that's not at the core of the gospel, but it is a matter about our life together as God's people. So we need to keep wrestling with that one and trying to work it out. So you have 
central issues, death and resurrection of Jesus. You have secondary issues, um, issues say a women's ministry would fall into that category. You've probably got tertiary issues like uh, should we eat meat or shouldn't we eat meat? And then you've got uh, whatever the fourth category is, and I can't remember how to describe it, but uh, which is the, you know, for goodness sake, stop worrying about it type questions, you know, where it doesn't really matter. And, uh, I, you know, and Christians will disagree on all those. The central ones, you've got real problems because they're a, they're a matter of salvation. The secondary ones can cause uh, divisions between Christians. We do need to keep wrestling with those sort of ones. Also, the, 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 the sort of uh, tertiary ones like uh, meat-eating. We've got to apply the principles of if it's not a critical issue, then don't worry about it too much. And then when it comes to a matter of indifference, then make it a matter of indifference. Don't worry about it too much. You know, it's, just, it's just part of that sort of wrestling with Scripture together, I think. Yeah. Not sure if I've completely answered the question, but that was the first one, wasn't it? Yeah. What was the second question? Okay. Um, <clears throat> second question. It might sound a little bit confusing because um, it's not clear in my own head either, so um, I'll try and get there. Um, <clears throat> so we should, if we're praying for God's guidance um, and we're praying for wisdom, um, that God will give us uh, the wisdom uh, maybe through Scripture, I mean, through Scripture um, mm. for guidance, um, in whatever uh, we, decision we're trying to make, um, can we also pray? Because you mentioned just now that you know doors opening, doors closing, putting mm. out the fleas is not exactly. Yep. It's not. It's like testing God, right? But can we also still pray that He, um, although He gives us wisdom, can we still pray that He also gives us guidance through opening of doors? If you know what I mean, my sure. question. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you're not supposed to test Him, but can you pray that He? illuminates the path more clearly. Yeah, okay. When you go to a place in the Old Testament like uh, uh, Gideon, you know, when he threw out the fleece, okay, I think when you read through that that incident, what you discover is that Gideon is inappropriately testing God when he's already got the answer, interestingly enough. And uh, so it's it's a situation where it's actually not a, it's not a prayer of trusting God, it's actually a prayer of untrusting God that causes him to ask for that test. Sometimes Christians can pray the prayer for that reason. Okay. It actually, um, you can pray for, say, open or closed doors, and then your problem is to work out if you should pay any attention to them. Um, because, um, say, the, you know when um, Paul um, has a vision of the Macedonian man, you know, saying, come over to Macedonia, Acts 16, I think it is, when you read the verses that follow, what you read there is that, is that uh, uh, Paul and his friends concluded that that's what they should do. And it seems to me, see, even when you've got a, a vision of a man from Macedonia, you test it to assess it. The difficulty with an open door is you can go through it. Is that a smart thing to do? The difficulty with a closed door is should you open it? Well, I mean, what does a closed door mean except that maybe I should try and kick it down? Uh, the, that's always the difficulty with those sort of signs and that sort of thing, what to do with them, I think, in the end. And then one of the concerns I have with that approach is that uh, I think it may betray a lack of trust in God's sovereignty. Um, that it doesn't necessarily have to, but... Um, whether you go through or don't go through a door where there's no instruction from God as to whether or not you should or not, then um, 
you can spend a lot of time trying to work it out when sometimes you should just step, step out and actually cho- make a choice and trust God. You see, that he actually has sovereign control and will actually guide your path as you continue to trust him with your life and will keep working for your good to make you more like Christ. So with all the signs, um, open doors, closed doors, all those sorts of things, we still have a responsibility, I think, to assess them. Uh, and to try, which means I don't know how far they get you in the end. Yeah, trusting God's the issue though. They're good questions. Thank you so much. Very helpful. I think um, during the discussion, the discussion questions, there was something about. Um, yeah, this issue about God told me to. Now, if uh, Christians, I think certain Christians in certain uh, denominations sort of believe that God tells them and so forth. Now, how do we address that? How do we, uh, yeah, if if someone were to come and say, you know, God has revealed to me or God has revealed to me through my pastor, um, how do we address that? One of the the things I was trying to raise with those small group questions was the, um, and I, I imagine you felt it, Right, you have a Christian person who says to you, uh, God has told me I should do X, whatever X happens to be. At that point, I have a problem. You see, because if God has told them to do it, who am I to dispute it? All I can do is say, marvellous, I'm glad God has told you that. Or I can doubt whether God's told them that or not. Yeah, like he may not have told them that. So how do I work out if he has or hasn't told them that? Normally the best way is to ask a question. Right? Sometimes when I hear people saying, God told me, I'm tempted to ask baritone or tenor. Okay? Um, now, it, I never ask it, but it's going through my head all the time. Okay? Baritone or tenor. That is, God told me, what sort of voice did he have? Now, generally people aren't saying God told them. Normally what they're saying is they felt or they had an impression, or they sensed. Now, I don't have a problem with people feeling, sensing, or having an impression. Uh, when I went for my first, when I got my first law job, I interviewed at numbers of firms. Okay, Sue and I were driving into town for an interview with a firm I knew nothing about, should have prepared better for, uh, and thought, what a, you know, I was thinking what a goose I was as I was going in. Now, as I was driving in the car for this interview, um, I had the strongest impression. And I think it was from God, um, uh, so that I felt convinced I was going to get this job. I said, I said look, I, I feel like God has just, um, you know, given me an indication that I'm going to get this job. And I got the job, right? Um, now, you could say to me, ah, you know, it was the bacon and eggs you had for breakfast, or, you know, it, it could be. But I, I really do genuinely think that I had that sense of God just, quietly settling me and giving me that sort of conviction. But when people talk to me like that, I want to nail down what they're saying in a way. Now, I don't want to get into the cut and thrust and, you know, uh, details, but but if it's an impression, that's okay because we can talk about that. If God said, give up give up straight away, God told me they would go and do it and obey him. You see, that's the difficulty. So are they saying God told them or are they saying they've got a feeling or an impression or a sense of what it would be good to do. And if it's that, we can talk about that and bounce it around together as brothers or sisters in Christ. And that's a good, fruitful thing for Christians to do. 
Yeah. Now, if God has actually spoken to them directly, I mean, he's done it frequently throughout the scriptures. I'm not saying he can't do it today. Then, yeah, that's a good thing to do. Okay, one more question that we'll... Uh, we'll have our, sing, our last song and then our closing prayer. Calling once. Calling twice. Done. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> okay, um, so if we um, pray about pray about a decision that we have to make. Are we under attack? That's the question. I'm sorry. I'm sure you've got a very important question that without the bomb noises would be good for us all to hear. So if we, if we pray about um, a decision that we have to make, how can we expect God to answer our prayer? I mean, if it's not through signs or impression, how, how, what kind of answer can we expect God sure. from God? Um, I guess what I'm suggesting is uh, that maybe you shouldn't expect an answer at all. Okay. So maybe um, um, I'll trivialise it just a bit, and I'll come back to this in the last talk. Say you're in a situation where you're uh, thinking you ought to buy a car. You haven't got a car, you've got a few different models in mind, and you don't know which one to buy. So you pray about it. Right? Now, what answer do you expect from God? Um, I'm not sure you should expect an answer from God. I think, you know, God might be saying, for goodness sake, go and buy the car, you know, and uh, let's get on with life. Uh, do you know what I mean? It, like, is it that sort of an issue? Like, you do your... You, know, you look at the car guides and you might work out, although I never do that. I can never be bothered wasting time doing that. I just buy the car. You know. Now, maybe that's foolish, uh, but in the end, the car is just to get from point A to point B. It's going to cost a certain amount of money. You're trying to get something reliable, and I'm not sure it's a big issue. Now, I know that's a trivial issue, but I guess what I'm saying is I think God's already answered. See? Is it um, a good thing to buy a car? You know, well, in your circumstances, if you're sensible and everything like that, it's one of those permissive things to do. You know, like it's um, it may be good for transport, security, all sorts of issues that might lead you to think it's time to buy a car. Um, and if there's so, go out and buy. You, you can afford to buy a car. You can yeah, you use those sort of sensible um, sort of criteria. But apart from that, what more would we expect? Not, not much. Now, there'll be more significant decisions, but I guess if the scripture is um, uh, already clear on those things, then take the scriptural advice from God. You pray about it. If God wants to tell you something, that's fine. He can write on a wall. He can speak to you out of a burning bush. He can do anything he likes. Right? But that's his job. You know I mean? So, just, that's fine. If he does, that's terrific. But if he doesn't, then get on with it. You know, and uh, and be confident in his sovereign, loving care for you as a person that you can make those sort of decisions. Yeah. So I think what I'm saying is God's taken the initiative already. And uh, often what we do is we keep sort of running back to God and saying, ah, I wasn't sure I was completely... I'd like a few more details. You know, And God's saying, mm, no, I think you've got enough. Right? Yeah, um, 
you know what I mean? It's, I think sometimes we play that game with God just a bit. Uh, and I'm not sure. Yeah, so that, that's sort of issue. Yeah. Thank you.